Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D dot com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. chapter 3. How many know God is for us? Well, I want to give you a little bit more evidence that God is for us in my teaching today. Starting in verse 26, New King James I'll be reading out of. Verse 26, Galatians 3.26, it says, For you are all sons of God. How many believe you're a son? I want to see some women hands. (laughs) For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ and have put on Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That settles it, right? It says male nor female, same same deal. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And there's some good stuff right there starting in verse, chapter 4, verse 1. But let's go down to verse 4 and Chapter 4, 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to, re- to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. In verse 6 it says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Now, if you were to read verse 7 in the authorized King James 1611 version of the Bible translation, it would say, therefore, or wherefore, you are no longer a servant, but a son. That's a revelation the church really doesn't understand. Because 99.5% of the churches in America still teach everybody their servants. Never taught their sons. Never. You know, this doesn't mean we don't serve, but we serve out of being sons of an understanding and a belief system that we're sons long before we're servants. We're part of God's family. We're in the family. Amen? <clears throat> it says, therefore, you are no longer, in this version, a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And that brings <clears throat> me back to Romans. Let's go back to Romans 8 where we left off last week, where we talked about a few verses that I shared with you about God is for us. 
Who can be against us? What, what's against us? Pandemic? Wars? Anything? Demons? Angels? Nothing. God is for us. He is so for us. He's so positive towards us. Amen? <clears throat> but in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, my wife shared this a little bit today. She said, there is therefore, <clears throat> we're going to go verse by verse, and then I'll give you some other scriptures as we go, but it says, there is therefore now <clears throat> no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Say, period. Period. Okay, that's the original. That's all there is in the original. Is those, that's it, period. There's nothing else in the original. Okay? And that's a very strong statement because it talks about who we are in Christ. And the true meaning of what's being said is about in Christ is the decisive conclusion, every bit of condemnation against us, every bit of condemnation, every bit of guilt, every bit, every bit of sin, everything against us, even death itself is canceled against us. Amen? But the rest of this sentence was not in the original text, but later copied from verse 4. And the person who added this most probably felt this, that the fact that Paul's declaration of mankind's innocence, they, they had to be subject again to personal conduct. You know how it is. You know, we just can't be happy with what God says. We want to add to what he says. Amen? That's, that's humanity. That's what this person who added this piece on at the end, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit, you know, they added it because religion under the law felt more comfortable <clears throat> than the condition of personal contribution <clears throat> rather than the con conclusion of what faith reveals. They wanted to have religion. And so they had to add this because Paul didn't get it all. He messed up. So somebody had to come in and save him from collapse or, you know, absolute embarrassment at some point, which is how many know that's not true? That's all there is. There is therefore now no condemnation is the end. Amen? And in Christ, the revelation is key to God's dealing with mankind because... Christ is the zip code of the Bible. Amen? In Romans chapter 8, verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus <clears throat> has made us, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Not just sin. And that's another thing that's also only, only overemphasized about sin and never talked about death. There's nothing there that Christ hasn't, you know, purchased for us. Amen? And this leaves us with no further obligation to the law. The law of sin or the law of death. God's Spirit has suspended the sin-enslaved senses as the principal law of our lives. And we must understand that the law of the Spirit of God is the righteousness by faith versus the law of personal effort 
and self-righteousness which produces condemnation. If you're trying to do it, if you're trying to make it happen, if you're trying to please God, you're going to be condemned. And you don't, I don't know if I could say all this stuff, but a lot of people get condemned just from the pulpit. Because the pulpit person could tell you, you're not praying enough. You're not giving enough. You're not doing enough. You should be coming to church seven days a week. There's a lot of condemnation that comes from this voice up here. Not me, but from what they call the, this is in a lot of books that I've studied in my biblical training, this thing here is called the sacred desk. The sacred desk. And in a lot of churches, even in our city, a woman's not allowed to touch it. She's not even allowed to be in front of it or speak from it. But that's how things go, which is the fruit of the what I call the do-it-yourself tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Amen? And verse 3 goes on to explain to us, it says in verse 3, for what the law could not do. <laughs> for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, and he condemned sin in the flesh. Amen? Because it, it, it goes on, this, these verses are explaining to us that the law failed to, do, to be anything more than an, than an instruction manual. You want to know what sin is? Read the law. You want to know who God is? Read the new covenant and how much he loves you and what he's done and all that's for you and all his promises are yes and amen. Amen? The new covenant is a better covenant founded on better promises. Amen? It had no power. The law had no power whatsoever to deliver us from the strong influence of sin holding us hostage in our own bodies. Let's go to 1 Timothy. I want, to, I want you to see the scripture. I know you know it, but let's go there together. 1 Timothy. Chapter 3. Verse 16. It says, And without controversy, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. How? In the person of Jesus. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Amen? Justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. Isn't that good news? God himself was manifested in the flesh, and Jesus' his son was the very realm where sin ruled us in the flesh. The body he lived and conquered, it was no different than our body. Jesus' body, our body was the same. Thus, sin's authority in the human body through Christ was condemned. It was done away with. And we get to enjoy it. We get to enjoy that freedom. Amen? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Excuse me, verse 15. 
Hebrews 4.15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Like Marie said this morning, my wife said this morning, who is here without failure, you know, without weaknesses? Who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So God himself had no problem identifying with us. In the context of our frail human life, he proved, listen, this is what he did. He proved that the human body had the capacity in the creation of it to be master over sin. He proved that the human body had the capacity within the creation of it to be master over sin. His display was to show that we were never a faulty design from the beginning, but rather we are the trophies to all of mankind in Christ Jesus. Where's trophies? How many I get like getting that big trophy? You know? He was not an example for us, but of us. He was an example of us. Verse 4 in Romans 8 goes on to say, let's go back to Romans 8. Verse 4, that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Someday I'm going to write a book called In Us. Because when you go through the New Covenant, there is a lot of in us's. Lots. In us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And that's that verse right there that they got they took that little bit of a thing on the end and put it on verse 1 to help Paul out because he messed up. He messed up. You know, you've got to have a little bit of religion mixed with law and a little bit of religion mixed with grace. Amen? And so he goes on to say, day by day, life bears witness to the Spirit's inspiration and not the flesh's domination. Verse 5 goes on to say, for those who live according to the flesh... Set their minds on things of the flesh. You want to see flesh? Just turn on your TV. I'm convinced the devil's defeated. He's defeated. He's defeated. I'm not resurrecting any more devils. You want to fight devils and resurrect them? Have at it. And then let me know how that's going for you in about 20 years if you're not exhausted at that point. Because you think you have to fight a devil. He's, de he's defeated. 1 John 3, 8 and Hebrews 2, 14. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, to destroy the works of the devil. He did that for us. So we wouldn't have to do it. You can read it in Colossians chapter 2 as well. Amen? Verse 5 goes on to say these things. For those who live according to set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Sin's symptoms are sponsored how? By the senses. Eyes, what we see. Ears, what we hear. I mean, if you shut off the TV, you wouldn't even know what was going on. You know, you go out, you drive out here, you know, maybe an hour, two hours south, and you talk to the Amish people and ask them, 
How, what, what about COVID? You know what they'll say to you? What's COVID? They don't see, they don't watch it on, they don't know what's going on about that stuff. They don't know what's going on with the banks or the economy or what's going on in the They don't know. They just know what's going on in this book or stuff they read. That's all they get. Amen? Minds that are dominated by the sensual thoughts betray source because spirit life attracts spirit thoughts. Spirit life attracts spirit's thoughts. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded... To be carnally, the word, how many know what the word carnally means? Fleshly. You know, to be carnally minded, it says, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life in peace. So you see that our thinking patterns are literally our belief system, our BS. That's everything we live by. That rule our lives are either sensual appetites of the flesh, which will result in a spiritual death, or Zoe life, the total peace flowing from a mind addicted to spirit, spirit faith releases. And that's why I, I can't get enough of reading my Bible. Chapter 8, if you, if you saw my... I, I love coloring in my Bible. Sorry. I have my colors, and I color a lot. And if you came to my house and you sat on the chair where I study a lot, you could pick up a little thing and open it up. It's about this thick, and it's full of colors of colors that I use when I read my Bible in color. <laughs> I just love color. You know, God loves color too. You know? His favorite color is my favorite color. That's how we get along. <laughs> so, that's just kidding. But verse 7, <laughs> verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity at war against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Amen? Just can't. It's, it all, it's always been the flesh works, versus, works righteousness versus spiritual righteousness, or, you know, grace righteousness, you know? The flesh no longer defines us. What, what defines us? Faith. How do we get faith when we're born again? He puts faith right into us. Boop. It's automatic. It's a given. How, do we, how, do I, how am I able to obey God? He gives me obedience, automatic. It's not my obedience, it's His obedience, His gifts. The gifts of the Spirit are His. Amen? The fruits of the Spirit, He gives them to me, all of them. I don't need to take a test to find out which ones I got. I don't need to test it. I know it's there. Amen? In verse 8 it says, So then... Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's not who we are. Sons of God, we're not in the flesh. If we're sons of God, we're in the spirit all the time. Sometimes, we, you know, the hardest thing is trying to recognize that than what we do in the natural. Amen? We have to learn to understand that and get to that place in thinking that all the time. It is impossible for those immersed in the flesh at the same time with the same desire to be interested in God. I mean, most people that are stuck in the flesh have no interest in God at all. They have no idea what's going on. I mean, it's a whole different world. I mean, you've got to understand that 
I'm not here to criticize or condemn, but you know, you've got to be careful what you put before your eye gate. Because even your ear gate. So it can influence you and cause things to not work out in your life. Verse 9, but you are not in the flesh. You are not in the flesh. You're not in the flesh. Say, I'm not in the flesh. But in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. But if you're born again, you have his Spirit. You may not have it to the degree that you want to have it, but it's there. Amen? It's there. It's there, there for you at all times. Anyone who does not see themselves fully clothed and identified in the Spirit of Christ cannot be their true selves. Until we fully embrace the Spirit of Christ, we can't be who we really are. But when we start understanding that, if we start walking around believing that we're sons of God, I'm going to tell you something. Your, your life will change by believing that you're a son of God. Amen? Amen. And until we fully embrace the Spirit of Christ, we can't be who God created us to be. See, the word amen, say amen. The word amen literally means echo, to echo. I mean, I know it means to be, you know, so be it and all that other stuff. But it means to echo, meaning to have in hand to hold in a sense of wearing like a garment to understand pages that stick in the You know why my pages stick together? Because I color. And the coloring sticks to the other page. And then I try to change my page, and it don't want to go. It wants to be stuck. <laughs> now, if I never colored, not even one color, it would never stick together. But you think I care? I'm, I'm colored. <laughs> I have a whole Bible that I colored. I mean, I have a whole Bible that I bought just for coloring. You can't hardly even read it because it was so exciting to color the whole Bible. And I did it in a translation that I don't usually read to give me a better understanding of a new translation like the New Living Translation. So there's a contrast going on here that we're starting to see in verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. He is not his. So the contrast is starting to be seen here in the different aspects of our life. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. In verse 22, it says, professing to be wise, they became fools. In verse 23, says, Romans 1, 23, and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So the contrast here is, again, losing sight of God made them lose sight of who they really were. If we don't know who we are, how do we lose our, our identity in Christ? We lose sight of God. If you want to know the truth about people, even people who have known Christ, and suddenly they don't know who they are and they're walking with the world... It's not that they're backslidden. That's wrong terminology. It means that they lost their identity. They lost vision of who God is. And if they don't know who God is, they don't know who they are. Because when we know God and understand God, we get to find out who we are. So we have to have both identities intact. So people aren't really backslidden. They just lost their identity. And they could be easily recovered if they would find out again 
who they are in Christ and begin to see themselves in a different way. So in their calculation or their reasoning, the image and likeness of God became reduced to a corrupted, like this scripture says here, verse 23, to a corrupted and distorted pattern of themselves. And then verse 10, let's go back to Romans 8, verse 10, for it says, For if Christ is in you, where is he at? In you. That's another book I'm going to write, in you. <laughs> in us, in you, amen? In you. <laughs> For if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. See, the revelation of Christ in you declares your body is as good as dead to sin's demand. Sins cannot find any expression in a corpse. Did you ever go to a funeral and try to stick your tongue out at a dead person's body? They don't get offended. They'll never talk back and say, you got an ugly tongue. That big old ugly tongue. What are you sticking your big old ugly tongue at me for? Because we co-died together with Christ and our spirits are alive because of what righteousness reveals. And then referring again, when we talked about last week, going back to verse 31 in this same chapter, it tells us the title of the message, If God is for us, and He always is, He never judges us by our behavior. He may not like it sometimes, and he may try to help us get out of it because he knows if we stay in the flesh and we keep on sinning even after we're born again and keep making the same mistakes over, it's going to work towards the death of our body. It's not healthy for our body to sin. And sometimes, you know, we don't get that. We think that, you know, we, we get away with things. God doesn't see it. Now he sees everything. He knows everything you're doing because you're his son. He loves you. And he watches for you and everything. You know what I'm saying? And so that, thus God is for us. Let's go to Galatians chapter 1. Say, God is for us. Always. All the time. Every day. Every minute. Even when you don't feel like it. <laughs> He's for you. Galatians 1.16 Verse 15, I, I don't know why every time I, I give you a scripture, I, I go to the one above and I want to read it. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, verse 15, Galatians 1, 15, why did he do that? To reveal his son. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Apostle Paul says that in this verse, it pleased the Father to reveal his Son in me. See, God wants to make Jesus famous through us. The world's not going to see Jesus unless they see Jesus in you. You're a, you're a dispenser. You know, every time I go to the sink, and to this day, since I preached that maybe 30, 20 years ago, and said so, and so that we are God's dispensers. You know, the little soap dispensers we put on the sink. And, you know, you push it down and it comes out. The soap comes out. 
in my generation, when I was a little boy, all we got was a bar of soap. But in this generation, all you get is a... All you get is a dispenser of soap. Amen? How do you like the sound effects? Are they good? <laughs> it pleased the Father to reveal his Son in me in order that I might proclaim him to the nations. Isn't that good news? Let's go back to Romans 8, verse 11. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells, where does he dwell? In you. He's always in you. Always. When you leave here today, he's still with you. He doesn't stay here in this building. He's not here. It's just an empty edifice. That's all it is. And when we come to church every Sunday, we bring him with us. He doesn't come from... He's coming down. He comes from within us. He comes out from within us. We bring him and we release him in the room. When we speak or when we use an instrument or when we talk or just us being in the room. He's here. He's here in this room with us all the time. He's here all the time. And when you get in your car... You know, and you put on some funky music. He's listening because he's in you. He didn't just say, I'm not going to stay in this guy. I'm pulling out right now because I know when he gets in his car, he's going to put on some funky music. So he, he doesn't get offended by it, but he doesn't like it, just so you know. He doesn't like it. <laughs> but our union... This verse says, But the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells. Where does He dwell? In you. See, our union with Christ further reveals that because the same Spirit that awakened the body of Jesus from the dead inhabits us, we equally participate in His resurrection. And resurrection. We are a resurrection generation. Let me ask you, why would I want to settle to be an Elijah generation? I don't want to settle to be an Elijah generation. I don't want to settle to be Josiah generation. I don't want to settle to be another person. I want to settle to be a resurrection generation. I got this gift from Christ. Amen? What is greater than a resurrection generation? And nothing greater. And in the same act of authority whereby God raised Jesus from the dead, he co-restores our bodies to life by his indwelling spirit. You see, in Christ, our bodies will never be inferior. Will never be an inferior expression of the Christ's life. Just as it was reckoned dead in Christ's death, it is now reckoned alive in his resurrection. We are a resurrection generation. He's not, these are not the days of Elijah. These are the days of resurrection. We have to, get, we have to advance. We've got to come out of our old kind of ways of thinking and unlearn some things and relearn some new things so we can be in the better covenant of better promises. Amen? 
And we don't always have to, you know, second-guess ourselves and try to do something that we don't have to do. Because in Christ, our bodies are never inferior. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. My mentor who led me to Christ, Don Isaac, just retired last week. 85 years old. And he's still going strong. So you never know, he might show up here at the pulpit someday. Just never know. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Amen? Raised up us together, made us sit together. Where? In heavenly places, in Christ Jesus all the time. Do you ever get tired of the heights? Sometimes I do. Going back to Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, comma, brethren, comma, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. What does that scripture mean? We owe flesh nothing except to say bye-bye. We sing that song. Hell is, hell, what is that one about hell? Just, hell is gone. Hell lost another one. Well, flesh lost another one too. Amen? Verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. That's not good news. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. We cannot live under the sinful influences of our senses. Our eyes, our ears, our old stuff. It has to be all renewed in Christ. Any longer, instead, we are indebted now to exhibit the highest expression of life inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God. The covenant, the new covenant, is an eternal spirit covenant. It's covenant of the eternal spirit. See, our new life in Christ demonstrates zero tolerance to the lives, to the habits, and the sinful patterns of the flesh. I, I get... I have no desire for it whatsoever. None. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's a good barometer. You know, are you being led by the Spirit in how you pray? Are you being led by the Spirit in how you give? That's That's the highest way to do it. You know, he might just say one day, this, you know, 10% is not enough today. We're going to do 20. We're going to do 15. We're going to do 12. You just never know. If you're being led by the Spirit, it shouldn't be the same thing all the time. Because then it makes you think that that person's not being led by the Spirit, if it's the same. Because if you're being led by the Spirit, he might have a different thing to do that day. Amen? That's how I see it. So we have to be really open to that whole deal. Amen. Verse 14. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So the original life of the Father revealed 
in his son is the life of the spirit that now conducts his life within us. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. And we have other, many other scriptures in T- Timothy that says that. But you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Shouts out that the slavery to sin is such a poor substitute for sonship. They are complete opposites. The one that leads forcibly through fear while sonship responds, responds finally, fond, excuse me, fondly <laughs> to Abba Father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. It says children in most translations. But in the actual Greek, it says sons of God. That's what it says, sons. Why did they put children in there? Probably for the same reason they were thinking they had to help Paul out. You know? And if sons, verse 17, and if sons, then heirs. We are the H-E-I-R, air force of God. We are the air force of God. And join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. There's no suffering, really. I mean, honestly, his suffering was our suffering. When he suffered, he suffered so we don't have to suffer. He, was, he went to the cross so we don't have to go to the cross. His death is my death. Now, understand? That's the way it is. Because we are his offspring. We qualify to be heirs. God himself is our portion every day for our lives. He's our inheritance. You're looking for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? Look no farther. No further. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. Just got to open your eyes. Spiritualize. Just like communion. Communion is the fountain of youth. If you're not feeling young today, take it every day. Until you get it. You can take communion every day. (laughs) Just have it set up and ready to go. Because we co-inherit with Christ. Because God is for us. Say, God is for us. And we are represented and included in his sufferings. And we are equally participating in the glory of his resurrection. I'm sorry, I really have a hard time signing Easter. I, I, I just struggle with the word. Not that I'm not saying it's not a good word. It's just not my word. I like Resurrection Sunday. You know, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, a, I'm kind of an old-fashioned prude, I guess. But I don't think we should be doing Easter egg hunts at church. But if somebody wants to do that, hey, go ahead. You know, you, know, you, you have your deal. You know, and you have to stand before God and you have to answer to God. I don't have to, but I'm not doing it. Now, I wouldn't mind having an Easter egg hunt for the kids that are here in the daycare on another day. Go do it. It's fine. I have no problem with it. Just don't want to do it at church on Sunday mornings. That's not why we came. We came to praise and worship the Lord. Amen? We came to hear and study the Word of God together and give Him glory. Amen? Verse 18, for I, am con- for I consider that the sufferings of this present, for I'm considering <laughs> that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed where? What's the next two words? In us. 
in us, in us, in us. Christ in God, or is it God in Christ, has taken the sting out of us, our suffering and it becomes insignificant in comparison to what he wants to reveal in Have a great week. Yeah, you fill me with joy.